Why, hello, Tim. Oh, hello, Ryan. (laughs) And hello, everyone listening. Thank you for being here, here to Dismembering Horror, episode 139 of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan, we dismember a horror film every week. We talked about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy. <laughs> all, all seven of our listeners just shut it off. <laughs> it's true, though. You, you mean our listenership just tripled? Right, right, right. Instantly. Instantly. Uh, what more do I say on that, Tim? It's all everything I just said. I don't know, but I think our listenership, if they're anything like me, they're pissed off that we watched this movie. <laughs> well, if they're anything like me, they're so glad they saw this film. I've, I had a feeling you would feel that way. <laughs> So what do we do, Tim? We meet in the middle and hope we draw one and all. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) All right. Well, what is this movie? Today's film from 1964 is Brazilian's first horror film, At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. Which, Tim, I mean, you got to at least admit it's a pretty great title. Yeah. I'll admit. (laughs) I'll admit that. What worked? The title. That's it <laughs> That's for it. Tim. <laughs> no, there are things that work, but I don't know. There are things that didn't work. <laughs> Great. What a shock. Well, well hey, then, uh, anything else on our? Sh- you want to say what our show is or any other business to attend to before we watch the trailer? No. What, right. I mean, what kind of business would I even have? It's none of my <laughs> business. I'm just Great. sitting over here feeling like, kind of feeling like I got run over. I mean, when I say business, I I mean, it's great to hear from you, but I meant more of the show. Nope. Anything nope. you, okay. Nope, no, no, no. Nope. Great. Nope. Then we'll just continue on with the show, <laughs> with the trailer. For you don't want to hear go. about my life? You said you didn't have anything. I don't. I'm a slug. I've become a slug. We've and hit I'm a slug uh you know the slug portion of pandemic life well i'm a banana slug that was my mascot for uc santa cruz so you're in good company oh man we had a banana slug incident when i was a kid once it was crazy i had a slug incident too what was yours we were in uh we went to a park like when one of the state parks and it was like a vacation thing so it was the only day we could do this but it was pouring rain. We parked at, we were like the only people in this park. This is my family. I was like, however old you are in fourth grade. And when we got back to the car, the entire parking lot 
was completely full of banana slugs. So there was nowhere we could go. Wait, we couldn't pull out of the parking lot without running over banana slugs, which is totally like not cool. But we were trapped. Like there was nothing we could do. And it wasn't like it was they're going to like get out of the way. They're slugs. So we had to like gingerly try to pull out of there and not run over as many as possible. It was so messed up. There's a horror film. I don't know if you've seen it. That's fun called Slugs. <laughs> I don't think I have. Mine's not a story. I was just a kid and I stepped on a slug in grass as a kid and screamed and ran away because <laughs> it was. It sounds about right. Because it was g- gross and, yeah. but e- equally like guilt inducing yeah. and scary to have crushed something. Oh man, what a bummer. <laughs> I still get, oh, still gives me chills. Those Great. Just trying to live their life. And with that, a perfect transition into our trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. For At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. Tim, reasons I thought you would like this movie. Okay. Independent, homemade effects and spirit. Sure. Total commitment to the macabre. <laughs> themes. Sure. Uh, themes of devilry. Mm-hmm. Uh, questions of, you know, is supernatural real or not? You know, those sorts of implications. Um totally zany unpredictable i mean we'll go on but this coffin joe character is quite the character yeah but i thought you'd have a a blast with his um his turns for the worse let's put it that way sort sort of i get where you're coming from but like i will say remember remember you i think you felt kind of the same way about um uh what the hell is it uh jesus christ the Crispin Glover movie um, with the rats. Crispin. Oh, I think he said Kristen. Um, Willard. Yeah. So I feel actually very similar about this that as I do as about the character as I do about Willard. So we'll get we'll get into Were there. They're a very fascinating mix of their our protagonist, yet also the film's antagonist. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think can be cool and but also is a very difficult thing to to get right i think this this film i mean my first instinct was that it's kind of like uh another film that's i I don't know if this is one of my favorites i'm just gonna get i'll get my rating out of the way i mean i'm tempted to see the rest and have the coffin joe box set of course Mm -hmm. uh but i'll I'll give it a very hearty (laughs) rent it i'll go the very yeah there's a coffin shaped box set like available in the South America region. Uh, but no, I'll give it a rent it. Okay. And okay. okay. Well, yeah, anyway. Well, well, but you don't give it that. I, I don't think so. I think I'm just a stream. Okay. I'm just a stream. A meandering stream. 
Coming down from the mountain to the Tim, town. Hello. What? Tim, hello. Tim. Oh, <laughs> and why do you give it a stream in, in summary? Uh, kind of, I mean, honestly, like kind of what you spoke to about what you thought I would like, That that's, those things are all, I agree, working except for him. And not that he's not good, but it's it's in a way we talked about it with Night of the Demon. I again have a really hard time if I despise the like main person, I just get kind of mad. <laughs> and me, it's like makes it not as fun of an experience for me because I want to like if he had a counterpoint like that was throughout the film. I think I'd be okay, but that doesn't exist. So they, they keep getting killed off. His counterpoint well, exactly, is exactly, yeah. It's everyone else is his counterpoint. Right. And it just kind of makes me he's just a jerk, man. He's That's st- what's so great about it though. <laughs> but I don't like jerks. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> but it's like a movie. It's funny. Yeah. I don't know. Is it? This is also like, uh, <laughs> this is what I was going on to say before was it kind of, it's completely different films, but like a film that I love through and through, um, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh man, I haven't the, seen that in like probably 25 years. So Right. The Russ Meyer movie, it's Roger Ebert's sole screenwriting credit. That's right. Yeah. It has kind of the moniker of being the simultaneous the best film ever made and the worst film ever made right right <laughs> and this this feels like one of those to me it's the greatest movie and also just the worst movie and i think all the things that make you you know would make one say are the, the greatest aspects of it are all i really care about and mm-hmm. then anything that's are the worst things just give it its its charm and uniqueness so there you go yeah, and it's just I'm just fascinated with this this not just the character but like the actor who basically was the filmmaker who just stepped forward because he had to make it on the budget and how yeah. he became like as big as Freddy Krueger in Brazil like he's like wow. Brazil's horror icon like he's really? huge cool. there yeah and just that's fascinating to me about how you know he clearly struck a chord there um, and then hearing about the like I said, the super independent spirit it was made. Mm-hmm. And that it is like a bad lieutenant or something mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. just watching this horrible person. It's like, it's a, and I was just fascinated with how he wavers like between being just a jerk to a murderer to like, hey, yeah, let's come over for a beer. Like it's <laughs> so, or hey, how's it going? You know, well, he's psychotic. So <laughs> yeah. You know. That's what I loved about him <laughs> then, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, should we try to summarize? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And here, I'll, let me start us off with a summary, Tim. Cool. Because I feel like to set the stage, I just want to repeat how the film opens. And then you take mm, it from there mm-hmm. with what actually happens. So the opening, opening, we kind of have two intros. But the this just sets the stage so well for what the opening is. It's... Coffin Joe, or the character's name, Zay Do Kai. Oh, we aren't going to be able to say any of these names. A million apologies. Zay. Kai Show, <laughs> I think, is something, Kai sort Show. Of something like that. Because Oaxaca, Great. or an X, let's see, Oaxaca. So the X is an H. Kai Ho, mm. or Kai Kaio. Something like that. Opens with our character, 
Coffin Joe looking into camera. We're zooming in on him as he give us, gives us this monologue. It <laughs> says, what is life? It's the beginning of death. What is death? It is the end of life. <laughs> what, what is existence? It is the continuity of blood. What is blood? It is the reason to exist. And then we're off into our opening credits. And then we have another intro from our witch character warning us to not watch the film. That's because right. Because at midnight, she'll take our soul. I love it. She goes, she gives the warning and then she goes, oh, too late. You're already watching it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but that opening, I think, from Coffin Joe just totally sets the stage of like what this film is in its essence, where it's like, doing the most typical hokey like what that doesn't make sense but it does and it's also great but it's horrible what it's bullshit that's i think that's my my kind of takeaway is like i've met dudes like this they're just full of shit and so like (laughs) everything's like oh like i'm trying to sound smart and philosophical and and have like some sort of like deeper understanding of the universe they're just pulling shit out of their butt yeah but that's what it all is anyways so like that's that's (laughs) even if it's someone more uh thoughtful it's doesn't yeah it's but it can still strike a chord or have something that's read into once it's in the movie and has the wrappings of a movie when it comes from a psychopath i think it is more it it's more uh it's more bullshitty to me because me that, I'm like, you're, you're just, you're just a psychopath. You're just making, you're just trying to get a rise out of people. But that's when it's more inimitable. I think. What is that? Wait, say that again. What is that? Inimitable. Word? Like you can't, you couldn't like, you can't imitate it. Oh, like how, oh, do you, oh, how did, oh, yes, how yes, would yes. one even come up with this? <laughs> I swear to God, I went to college with this guy. <laughs> I swear. That's why it's striking a chord. He sucked. Anyway, um, okay. So there you go. You set. You, we've set the stage. But so so Joe, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe is a um. What would you call him? He's like a mortician, I guess. Yeah, he's an undertaker. Undertaker. That's right. That's a perfect word. And so he's such a dick. He <laughs> he kind of just like floats up to funerals and is like, okay, everything, yeah, 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 we're all good. Cool, 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 cool. Ugh, these guys with their moaning and crying. So boring. Um, but he's, you know, he's the town undertaker. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's very like, I don't care about anything. A chip on his <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> He's got a nihilistic uh, chip on his shoulder. I love the Wikipedia description of Coffin Joe. Oh wait, is is it good? An immoral undertaker it? with Nietzschean beliefs. <laughs> Nietzschean beliefs. He is well, driven by amazing. his desire to have a son by quote the perfect woman, believing that immortality is achieved through procreation, a concept he refers to as quote the continuation of blood. Ugh. This is my this is why I don't like it. Cause that sentiment just is like barf to me. But whatever. It's a horror movie. He's a horrible, it's a bad I know. guy. I know. Well, that's still it still makes me hate him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like I hate I don't know. I hate Freddy Krueger too. Yeah, that's but yeah. He's at least yeah, yeah. It's it's actually yeah. There's like 
there is an overlap there in these characters. Anyway, okay, so what's the movie? The movie is him just being a complete piece of shit and like anybody who gets in his way or like gets in the way of him getting this thing that this idea of like procreating the perfect he wants a son because his bloodline is everything um (laughs) anybody who gets in his way he either just beats the shit out of or just straight up murders and like slinks away without like getting caught it's it's so ridiculous yeah if in the summary here is all about painting a picture of what sort of this movie looks like what sort of the happenings are Mm. really what happens which is so funny is he does exactly as you said but rather than like in another horror movie where he's like you know, beats the person, kills them, and ha-ha-ha, gets away, usually have an extensive aftermath where he casually just sort of covers it up and everyone cowers to confront him about what he just did. You know, it's it's funny. There's always this, like, uh, it's not just, like, a one-and-done kind of thing. There's always right. his, his kind of denouement of his evil doings. Yeah, I mean, he's so... <laughs> he's so, like, just one one uh trajectory where it's like i want i i think this other, i'm with this one girl but i think this other girl is hot how do i get with her well i gotta get this person out of the way they're in my way my girlfriend's in the way killer okay now i need to get the girl i like but her, her fiance's in the way kill him his her his big first whole adventure is just I need oh. to eat meat on a Friday, <laughs> on a Holy That's Friday. Right. So That's he right. go. It's like he goes out of his way and everything, and just to like yeah. make that his big mission of the first third of the movie or whatever it is. Yep, and then you know, and then so on and so forth. Like he horribly rapes the woman that he likes, um, whose fiance he's killed, uh, and she then kills herself in response so that he won't get his way, and then he. Then he starts killing people to keep from getting caught. Um, so it is a little bit like, you know, there is a shift in that he's just trying to survive. And ultimately, the the gypsy's curse comes back around. Um, and we get a little bit of like a telltale heart style sort of Poe feeling, um, you know, third act sequence, finale sequence. It's pretty fun. And um, ultimately, he... I don't know. We we can discuss what our takes on how what his ultimate demise is, but like right. he ends up dead, <laughs> or does he? The end, or does he? That's right. <laughs> uh, and I also just the other kind of through line is he's constantly. I mean, we kind of mentioned it briefly, but his other whole modus operandi here is denouncing any beliefs in God. The right. supernatural uh, emotions is a big mm. one. He is a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. So true, 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 true psychopath. Right. Yeah. So there. So like and takes so, pride in in telling people who have a set of beliefs that their beliefs are dumb and bullshit. Because I was thinking about this the other day. I was trying to like relate. I guess relate the the type of people who just on a, on a low level are just, they're just kind of jerks that like want to get a rise out of people and compare it to the same mechanics that exist in like a serial killer, like somebody who truly is disconnected to the point of like 
um, killing people and, and thinking that that's just fine. And I, I, I came up with the idea that I think the common thread is that they, they're so lacking in empathy that their whole motivation is to feel pleasure. And on a spectrum of what gives them pleasure is sort of where they land in the severity of their psychopathy. So like on the low end of the spectrum, they just get pleasure out of making people uncomfortable, saying crude things, making a weird joke, standing too close, whatever, like relatively harmless, but super annoying all the way up to literally killing people because it gives them it's arousal. Pleasure is actually not the right word. It's it's arousing to them. And I was like, holy shit, there's this huge spectrum. And we've met people like that. I'm not saying everybody who's like that is a psychopath per se, but there is this this spectrum that kind of makes more sense to me because sometimes I meet these people where I'm like, what's their problem, man? Like, why why can't you just not be a jerk all the time? So I this guy, I think, falls into the <laughs> the, the further end of that spectrum. But it is that same thing. He just wants to mess with people. Wow, I feel so seen. Uh, great. <laughs> Should we move on <laughs> to our f- first section here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you you possess empathy, right? So that's good. <laughs> I like to I like to think so. Great. Unless it's all just an act. <sighs> I, what are what else are we doing here, Tim? That's right. Let's let well what we're doing is we're moving on to our first section. <laughs> what worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked for you? Well, like like what you're saying to I mean this, you know, to laugh of what you're just saying of that uh, taking pleasure in like others, quote unquote, weakness and emotions mm. and all that. I mean, it's just that I think that uh, is is that maybe the Nietzschean dichotomy that they're talking about in this, but um, the strength versus weakness ideals that mm-hmm. he puts forth of like when he. <laughs> Yeah, when it seems like he's buddies with that one guy where it's like, hey, you want to go have a drink, Coffin Joe? Yeah, come is on that, over. Is that guy, that guy's Antonio, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So his it's it seems like Antonio is his, his only bud, his actual only friend out there. Right. But then he starts beating him and then kills him in the <laughs> bathtub. Right. And then sort of like all along that way, he's saying, I'm strong, you're weak. Where's your? How is your faith going to save you now? So, I don't. I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but there's this interesting stuff going in there as far as, uh, and that's always fun to observe is people's obsession with like physical weakness and strength and emotions as a perceived weakness. Kind of what you're you're hitting on. The what I was thinking about that I think is similar is this sort of idea of like the paradox of norms, right? There's, there are these norms, and he, regardless of whether or not he uh, believes in the norms, he's he is at the mercy of them. And so, like, a norm being, like, power, the power dynamic of just being a human being, and, like, the norms that different cultures have decided 
uh, how they frame what power what represents power you know whether it's like masculinity represents power or like uh i don't know what's an, another good balance like feminine masculine balance represents power like whatever the the thing is but in this culture uh it seems like the the main norm is the power of faith and belief and he is like butting up against that but it's still the same it's a paradox for him because it's he's essentially saying well i don't believe in that but i do prescribe to power being something that i can inflict or hold over somebody else which is the same thing <laughs> right so it's like the great irony of his bullshit um so I think that's really interesting because he's, in a way, he's a bully, right? That's just kind of a basic, ver- like, just reality for him is, and, and like, typically is, we know in life, bullies tend to be coming from a place of deep insecurity. Like, they that that's what they're motivated by is hiding where they feel like they're lacking in themselves, And in the case of our hero here, Joe, it's interesting. This is, I don't think this is actually in the movie, but his backstory is he is like scarred from World War II and came home to find his wife cheating on him or whatever. And yeah, that's that's his backstory. Man, if we, that's not in this movie, right? Because I didn't catch that. Okay, so that, I think that singular fact would have catapulted this for me if we had gotten like i don't know maybe some little flashbacks or something obviously they were constrained because it's such a small uh indie like endeavor but man that's that makes so much more sense and then to bring it back to like extremes and different dichotomies and stuff at play here um you know it was the the wikipedia description it's a nietzschean uh, beliefs, um, which I, I'm sure there's a lot to that, but I just think of there's the, um, the how do you say it? Dionysian versus Apollonian traits. So like the chaos versus order, basically. And I just, I think it's, I don't know. I think there's a lot of horror in here knowing that, and I, I mean, maybe I'm stereotyping here too with like Brazilian culture but the sense that I get is, you know, they're overall very like fun loving, have parties, you know, that kind of outgoing people. So that just, I don't know, that just connects with the whole, uh, those two extremes, the the chaos and the pursuit of pleasure versus the the order, the predetermined, all that. I don't know, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. And I think what's cool about it is that, you know, it seems like my impression similar to what you're saying is that Brazilians have found a a bit of harmony as a culture with those things. And that's great. And it makes sense then that Joe coffin, Joe strikes a chord as just being someone who's the ultimate hedonist, I guess is a way to put it. And I think there, there is a horror in how he calls people. I don't know. Not because there's, of course I think there's, it's it's valid these you know these rituals and beliefs people have but because it's not like in the physical world <laughs> um it it 
th- there's a horror in there when he calls people out for it. Like, okay, okay, let me just give an example. Like, when he coaxes, kind of forces the guy, threatens the guy into eating the turkey leg or whatever on the Holy Friday. You know, it's like we see nothing. He doesn't get sick instantly. Like, he's not instantly smited or anything. So there's this, I don't know, it's just, it's just, so, but it's still like we know it's wrong, though. At the same time, you know, it's it's not respecting his his beliefs or boundaries or whatever. Well, and that's, I think there is a lot in that because it it really is what we're talking about is like <laughs> it's a it's such an abusive way to try and teach a lesson, right? Like telling somebody that their beliefs are like like putting somebody into the scenario where it's almost like life and death and I'm going to prove to you that your beliefs are are just nonsense mysticism whatever you can believe that like that people can believe what they want to believe but like forcing it onto somebody and like humiliating them in that realm is it's not cool like there's what does anybody gain from that version of teaching somebody that lesson? Nothing. It's just, it's just makes it worse. And I think we see, we see that all the time globally for all of history, right? Instead of being like, okay, well I have a different opinion and just like being cool with living your life from a different set of rules than somebody who lives them from a different one, barring that nobody's actually like their rules are, you know, killing other people. But like, we should be able to just be like, yeah, it's cool. Like we can all kind of have our own rules. But humans, they don't do that. They're like, my rules are right. Your rules are wrong. And I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to put my boot on your neck to let you know. And that thing, that's really what Joe is. Like he's that thing of like, it's not enough to just be an atheist or or even just be a hedonist or whatever, he has to like put that on other people, which is ironic because that's the thing most people complain about. Like an atheist will complain about religious people pushing their ideals onto other people, right? And so it's like, we're all just doing the same, well, we, but like in this case, it's it's the same, two sides of the same coin, right? It's, and and neither are good. What did you love about the poker game scene? <laughs> I mean, I just think it's hilarious. And like, it's sort of the most, to me, it's kind of the most, like, I don't know if I would call it realistic, but it feels like the one that that could actually really happen to me. And that like was the most almost visceral to me, where it's like, he's just, a, he's just a maniac, right? Like, and he's, he's, lording this this attitude over everybody like he comes into that bar (laughs) and like (laughs) he's the whole bar just sort of stops and it's like you can feel everybody go oh shit here we go very mr hyde speaking of and pleasures oh man totally and so he comes in and he interrupts the poker game he like inserts himself into it he like runs everybody up makes this guy who he he knows this guy doesn't have any money but he pushes him in to to like put all his money on the table and then he like doubles down on that just to make him feel bad and then when the guy loses of course 
he's like doesn't want to part with the money he just stabs him in the fingers he just takes a broken bottle and just and i think that one moment like that particular one felt like i was like this i i've been in this room before where someone smashes someone else's fingers with a bottle yes when I, I bartending, I've seen stuff like that. Oh, he was he chopped off his fingers, though. You know? Yeah, no. yeah. In my case, I saw a guy pick up a broken bottle. This is so stupid. Two dudes, two bros, drunk bros in the bar on like you know a Wednesday night or something, <laughs> and one bro is talking to somebody over his shoulder and bumps into bro number two, who <laughs> drops his beer bottle on the ground and it breaks. And they enter into this like, and they start like yelling at each other. And the one, the guy who had bumped into the dude in the first place was like trying to apologize. He was like, man, take it easy. Like, why are you being such a jerk? Like, I didn't mean to knock your beer out of your hand. And the other guy's like, you know, fuck you. Yeah, you boy. Like, and reaches down, picks up the beer bottle. And starts swinging it at the dude, the the broken bottle, and starts like stabbing at him. And the dude, the, <laughs> the first dude, is putting his hands up defensively and getting the palms of his hands stabbed by the bottle over nothing, dude. It was insanity. I was behind the bar, like flipping. I was like screaming for the <laughs> bouncer. I was like, ah, and I'm like what the fuck? No. Uh, and just side note, our bouncer is like the greatest bouncer of all time. In one move, he swiped the broken bottle out of the guy's hand and grabbed him by the throat and threw him out the front door. In one move. It was like the sweeping move. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. But that stuff happens for no reason. And like, well, no good reason. Just because somebody gets their feathers ruffled. Or in this case, because somebody wants to just make the other person feel small mm-hmm. and like those people exist man they exist they're out there I, it happens early in the movie too which is so great it's kind of the first yeah. visceral act of violence we get and it's intense just like it looks yes it's, it's grainy gooey black and white yeah. it just they get chopped off but then i mean this is probably the best example of what i was saying i loved up front of just like how rather than which i mean it's great too you know how mr hyde after doing such a thing would just kind of cackle and run away you know he <laughs> joe sticks around here he he plays it cool and then just kind of immediately almost denies it or says it was an accident says go call a doctor doctor shows up he says oh yeah we had an accident whatever then just still hangs out at the bar with them you know and starts um for further antagonizing them other ways. And then as soon as someone tries to confront him, he starts <laughs> whipping him. Yeah. <laughs> he fights him back and starts whipping him into submission. It is like the... <laughs> His whole character is just the worst, man. He gets away with everything. People yeah. just keep bowing down to his, like shittiness which is you know which is good because ultimately we you need that so that the like when he gets his just desserts it 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 feels more appropriate and cathartic or whatever but but man this town this poor town they're just at the mercy of this guy (laughs) they are (laughs) indeed (laughs) everyone knows him everyone keeps an eye out uh you just want to you just wish somebody would show up and just just 
knock his teeth out and be like, enough. Right. But like that, that thing, because I think we all have that impulse to some degree of like when we feel powerless or at the mercy of power, especially like power in the hands of like not cool people. We we want to take that back and like we feel so helpless because we are operating under the constraint of like, you know, it's not okay to punch somebody in the mouth. Well, and that's what makes kind of, you know, you could say a house that Jack built, another example of yeah. just sort of horrible psychopath getting their comeuppance at the end where there's this fun and this desire where... Yeah, exactly like you just said, when when it's a case where we don't have like a literal person being able to fight back, we just hope for some sort of cosmic justice yeah. and within the a horror film, you know, the something maybe supernatural striking right, right. back. <laughs> some sort of fate bestowing our our anti-hero here. Yeah. And uh we definitely get it here where oh, yeah. it's like it, it's that whole end sequence, after kind of just this weird movie of just kind of like dawdling along, he's just going around being an asshole to people. We have this, I mean, I, which I still think was great. Um, we have the ending where we get that exact him getting his comeuppance. But it's so much fun because it gives us just a few, enough little 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 tenants to hold on to of like, at uh, when you see a black cat cross your path, it will be the devil, <laughs> you know, and, and, and basically laying out what's going to happen leading up to at midnight when your soul right. will get taken. Right. And it all plays out. And just to jump ahead to the ending, Tim, because that was just all great. We have his epic one take monologue. It's basically uh, shouting at the gods where he's like, you know, test me. Where are you now? Da, 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 all that. It's 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 so epic. It's in a graveyard. It's great. I love it. Well, I also I like that, you know, the real premise in a way is like, look, you don't have to prescribe to the like hardcore dogma of whatever culture you're in, but don't shit on it. Because that, like, once you start doing that, there there is such a thing as, like, cosmic, you know, cosmic, uh, whatever, like, retribution. <laughs> and I think that's a really cool concept where he, and this is just, I think this is just true in life. It's like, it will come back and get you. Like, and no, nobody really gets away with stuff forever. And that, that can be often represented in nature let's say yeah, as if yeah. you know nature is just well nature it's the it's a force it's the force that will push back and be a part of whatever is karmically pushing back yeah. just some whether that's you know the cat the form of the devil but just a shout out to so much fun the like puppet owl that flies oh at God. his face <laughs> Yeah, I laughed pretty hard when I saw that. You just gotta love it, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then, come on, when then when the dead do show up, oh, where oh, man. it's like that that effect, like what a genius thing, like within your restraints of budget. To, are you talking to do about a post aura? The, 
Okay, that one. Wait, wait, wait. Are you still? Are you talking about the group of them where it's like no, the no, reverse no. image? The the first guy who shows up yeah. when he's about to light his pipe with the candle, and he's got this like aura around him. It's like I don't know sparkles kind of around him. But I'm going to tell you what that is and things of note, Tim. Oh, great! It's such a cool effect for the time because it's it's obviously a post processing effect. It's not in camera. And it's just, it's, it comes, I mean, I was like, whoa, whoa, like, wow, we made a big leap, but, but a necessary one for the moment. But that, yeah, I mean, the, then also the, it's, I mean, yeah, I loved that. And then what's also I, I loved is then it gets into what I mentioned where it's the whole group, the procession of the dead, yeah. where it's like the black and white reversal you know, yeah, imagery yeah, of cool. them walking out, but then also an added like glow outside of them or something. It looked like it was great. Yeah, I don't know how they did that, but it yeah, it looked cool. And then all culminating and how about, Oh, and then we got some very vampire esque stuff of him, him, him seeing himself in the coffin mm, being carried. Mm-hmm. That's always fun. But then our big culmination where it's like, he's lying, uh, presumed dead in the context of this film. With his eyes bulging out, it's and ups hanging upside down with his head back. Yeah. Oh, so good! I really love. I really love the moment before when he opens both of his, you know, victims' coffins that are laying next to each other, and each one of them has their own thing going on. Like Antonio has a spider, like a tarantula type spider, on his face, and he's kind of like almost looks like his mouth has been kind of eaten away, and then, um. Tera, uh, Terezina um, has just like maggots like crawling all over her face and like I feel like they just put maggots on her face in real life like it's it's pretty intense early CG of course right yeah right <laughs> but I love those that moment where he really is he's you know again it's that telltale heart kind of feeling where it's like he's seen the horrors of his crimes and like being haunted by it and i, I that stuff's cool yeah great well, anything more on the ending or just can i jump to well yeah. i i do i think it poses the question as to what do you think was the actual cause of his demise in that moment and what i mean is did he die of his own guilt? Did he die of his own fear? Uh, did like Satan actually show up and steal his soul? Like, what do you, what's your take on that ending? Of uh, like, what what did you feel like you were left with when it when you see him upside down, kind of hanging there dead? It's funny. I'm not the even eyeball bulging. I'm not even thinking in those terms when I'm watching a movie of like trying to figure out what happened. I'm just. Like, well, I guess what I'm saying is not not in so far as trying to figure it out, but like what what were you just sort of left with? Like what was the feeling you were left with? <laughs> that was so cool. Look at his eyes. <laughs> yeah, like my my instinct was that the horror of all of like seeing all of this is what ultimately ca- killed him. Like his eyes couldn't couldn't uh uh couldn't take seen the truth right and like like popped out of his head <laughs> you know i i always will say of course though i want to default to whatever the coolest <laughs> you know mm-hmm. explanation is and i think that's the coolest because it it both 
assumes he did see something and assumes that his a rea- physical reaction could be that strong. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I love that. It's kind of like in the lighthouse, you know, like it's he's seeing the truth, whatever it is in uh, the light. And it's so horrifying that he, you know, <laughs> dies from it. And you could buy it. Remember I all those like vibe. the Ripley's Believe It or Not show all those people who could like pop out their eyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did think of that, too. That's yeah, funny. it's like, yeah, I, I, I buy it. Uh, great well I asked anything other than the end because we still just wanted to shout out some of the other kills and moments throughout too we yeah, have all the kills well what's so funny too like he's he I guess yeah he ends up killing his wife through a poisonous spider is that how it plays out he's yeah. torturing her with the spider and it's like why if he's gonna kill her why bother to do it this way well, but that's who he is yeah I mean he's he's devious in this way yeah right like he's planned this out enough to like for us to know like oh he's not just it's not just like off the cuff he's like okay i'm gonna chloroform her first Mm -hmm. knock her out tie her up put a thing over her mouth so she can't scream (laughs) and then have a spider bite her and kill her so that when the coroner comes by and has to do an autopsy i have an alibi i had nothing to do with like it's so devious right right and I think most bite. most of the kills have that element to them. Well, yes, yes, absolutely. I just want to say what what tickles me about it and just like the feel of how it's playing out as a movie is it, it it's like that's a big deal where you know it's his wife he's doing this to, but in the course of the movie it just kind of feels like it's just almost like his day-to-day life. Yeah. You know, he's just going about, oh yeah, Kills his wife one minute. All right. Goes there then then kills this other guy. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah. It, that, that, the horror of how casual he is about it. Yeah. He's just skipping skipping through life. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, cape of flow behind him, you know. And here's the horror for me and why I said maybe I feel so seen is because like that, that sort of, you know, approach of, of, presence and following your whim and your instincts and whatnot does feel like what I aspire to and is a healthy approach. Sure. And <laughs> I couple with, I feel like my my instinct and energy is to like always be challenging people somehow and like testing mm-hmm. boundaries and uh, pushing what's sort of the, the, the reality of the norm and questioning that. And, but because I don't want to like hurt people or whatever it's like it's this weird back and forth of feeling like i'm not fully being myself but it's respecting others and it's i don't know and there's that's why i relate to these misfits as you know as horrible as they go i still on some deep level like they just strike a chord with me yeah well but you like you know that is the difference you have enough empathy to know that like you are also participating in society Yes, but at what cost, Tim, is what it feels like. Of course not. I don't want to go around being like this guy, but it just... <laughs> at what cost? There is no cost. You just live your life. But I'm. it feels like I'm not. Well, that's on you, bro. Yeah. Great. Just don't sneak into my place and, like, murder me on a whim. Here's here's a fun here's a maybe a fun, <laughs> acceptable example of what I'd want to do. I was thinking yesterday of, like, oh, what kind of you know, next house, what I want to live in, whatever. 
and I imagined, what if I like? <laughs> this is so silly. But this is just what I. This is what I was thinking about last night. Thinking how fun would this be? If like I had a house where it was like the entranceway was like a long front yard with like a path winding up that you had to go through. But <laughs> like, no matter what the circumstance, every time someone came over, uh, they'd have to get through me vaulting water balloons at them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're. Uh, I don't know what to. I don't know how to describe what that that is. It's just. You just want to have some fun. I'm just. No, it's my inner bully, or as I think, maybe a little more acceptable way is like I'm a little brother at heart. You know. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Anyway, I think that's fair. Coffin Joe. You can do it, but the cost is that some people might be like, I'm just not going to go over to Ryan's house. <laughs> Which, you know, but I that, but might be okay with. That's right, because the people who will want to participate in that will start showing up more. <laughs> can you see? <laughs> oh, man. I just, I was so tickled by that thought. Anyway, it's <laughs> trying to, trying to, Connect it all. And I do say that within the context of just a greater what worked, as I was yeah, yeah. saying. Yeah, I mean, what else? We got the I mean, his signature uh his signature long fingernails oh, that God, he uses yeah. to poke out the doctor's eyes. That effect is pretty good too. It well, looked good. It not only did it yeah, it looked good, but it there's something pitch perfect about the guy's performance where he gives this moment of like a kind of like stunned, like <laughs> half look yeah. around Yeah, that just, it just, it just sells it so well. It just makes it feel so real somehow. Like he, yeah. he like tries to look for a second. It's just so sad and horrifying. Yeah. Um, you know, Antonio's death is pretty Wait, solid. And then he up. sets him on fire. Sorry. I know, I know. After right? gouging his eyes out. Well, he's gotta he's gotta make it look like an accident. <laughs> he sets him on fire. <laughs> it's like as if gouging out his eyes was enough. He's still alive, but he sets him on fire. Sorry, I just, I just love it. Yes, and then Antonio, as you said. Yeah. Um, just <laughs> I like that one because it's whereas like he's pretty successful with killing his wife um without any real issue right like he 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 handles that one fine antonio feels more like a like he's a little bit over his head like in over his head like he hits him with the the thing first and thinks that's it the what is it like a fire poker um and he kind of is like, oh, that's it. Now let me set the stage for him to have fallen into the bathtub or whatever so I can get away. But then Antonio's not dead. Like the the inherent sort of like, oh, I'm like, I'm now in trouble a little. Like I have to solve a new problem. That to me is some of the most fun stuff in any movie where it's like really any circumstance where it's like, I have a plan. I'm executing the plan. Seems like the plan's going fine. Oh, shit the plan's fucked like now now i gotta just think on my toes and and deal with the the new problem and i i love watching those moments unfold yeah especially when it's a character like his who he's equally kind of 
where where he'll take the time to think and how to execute something properly. But then also, just like you said, is really fun to watch improvise because he's such a planner. It makes it, it people like that. They're especially fun to then have to sort of watch uh, deal with something impromptu. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's great because it it's you know it's like a good way to use the concept of reversals in in your writing. Yeah, it's like oh I got it. Uh oh, I don't got it. Better better solve this new problem. Okay, I got it under control. Just kidding. Now mm-hmm. it's not under control. Oh no, what do I do? Oh, okay, this is other solution. That's that's working. Just kidding. Not working. Got to think of a new thing. Like I love those moments. They're so fun. <laughs> Great. Uh, I feel like I kind of made it to the made it down my list here. Do you have anything else you really want to say that did work for you? Uh, really, just the last bit before he runs into the um, the the witch gypsy. Um, he's that that weird interaction he has with the woman from out of town where she's sort of like representing him, but like the, the, the non-dark side of him. It's like she philosophically agrees with the sentiment that he's sort of posing of like, you know, the day of the dead stuff is all kind of silly and like the religious fervor stuff is all kind of silly. He's, he's sort of expressing this nihilistic view of the world. And she's like, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And then, like, the gypsy, the witch, whatever, shows up. I don't want to dis- use gypsy in a disparaging way, but it's in the in the Wikipedia. Um, you know, she sort of shows up and it was like, don't think that you can get away with this just because you've met somebody that has, like, a similar outlook. Like, you guys aren't similar. This is going to happen. You're screwed. And I just, there's something really nice to me about inserting that moment of him thinking oh i'm like kind of like you said he's like oh i'm being seen like maybe the world isn't all that bad maybe i'm not all that bad just kidding you are right and then he goes she's the one where he goes oh i could uh he says i better not mess this up or i better play my cards right with her or something like that right She, she invites him in yeah and he says no and we're like oh Okay. <laughs> right. Right. This is new. <laughs> like, do I do I want him to like actually turn over a new leaf and succeed? No, but like you ha- it creates that moment of like, oh, wait a minute. This is a different feeling. Like maybe there's hope for him. Maybe well, he's not all bad. A truly uh unpredictable as we set up front yeah. I've been saying. Yeah. So I think that was a, it's a just a really smart sort of final kind of pushing the setup one last time to to have the finale that much more impactful. Yeah. So yeah. It's not bad. I just I mean we can talk about the things that didn't work, but well Tim, I got the perfect section for you which you can do that. You want to oh, really? you want to hear what it's called? Sure. All right. Here we go into our next section. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> it's. I've kind of. I mean, I've touched on it. There's something. It's. 
like I said, it's always hard for me to get on board when the guy's just that big of a jerk. Because I'm just like, I don't like there's enough of these people in the world that like we have to put up with. Like, can we I just don't like I guess what I'm saying is. Watching this type of person get their comeuppance is it's no longer from a storytelling point of view, like cathartic to me. I think it's it's a kind of a matter of just feeling um, burnt out in a world where we're surrounded or we're inundated by people who have sort of similar, you know, shittiness to them that me personally right now. I'm just burnt out on it. And so I'm like, I don't even want to watch this. And I, I had to fight that feeling throughout and try to like appreciate the other elements of the film in spite of that like kind of baseline begrudging feeling that I got right away. I mean, right from the top. And so it was just kind of a battle for me. It made it hard. And I think also when it's it, it it's hard or it can be hard when you're dealing with subtitles as well and just sort of trying to, I just was feeling tired. Maybe it's because I also got my second dose of the vaccine and was tired. But either way, I, I struggled through this one from a kind of just like a baseline point of view. It sounds like a lot of it, you're like, maybe it's just how I felt when watching it. Because kind what, of n- now what I always want to do, I don't know, just to, you know, always try to find the lesson therein mm-hmm. when something's working or not. So maybe it is just all that. But just for examples, like, let's say what made you like love and say want to say a buy it to we didn't review it, but you recommend we both recommend edit already mentioned the house that Jack built. So what makes that character and that film work for you versus this one? I know outwardly they're extremely different movies, but I'm just going to pick some examples here just to help you hone maybe uh, some of your feelings. Um, Oh, that's interesting. I, my, my instinct is to say that the, there's a, there's an element to Jack of, oh man. (laughs) <laughs> what is it i i don't sympathize with jack but i think jack has this level of personal shame and like understanding that he's fighting this thing inside of him and i think that element is really important in getting this type of character to translate because I never felt that way about Coffin Joe. He just is like one level constant rah. Whereas Jack, I feel like there's this there's this question mark of like at all times of wait, is he gonna actually like see that 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 what he's doing is wrong? Maybe that's in the performance. I think it's more just sort of in the depiction of the scenarios where you kind of are like you're constantly being pulled around and I think that movie is really good at showing the confusion or the like the ambiguity of the victim's point of view where they're they're going through that thing of like wait 
what is going on with you? And that that having that helps a lot. Whereas in in this movie, we don't get it really. We don't get the other characters kind of like actual point of view. They're just at the mercy of him. Uh, and we never get to really like feel like we're getting in with them. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's a fine line for sure. I mean, I, I despise Jack, but I almost like sympathize with him. It's weird. I'm here on the letterbox page for Bad Lieutenant from 1992, directed by Abel Ferreira, which I loved seeing when I saw it in film school. I haven't and, seen it in 20 years, probably. Anyway, well, so. I was just going to say, it says watched by Tim Aslin. So Yeah. Oh, the, I watched it. So it's on Amazon Prime if you want to revisit it. But I guess that's not a good example. I can't ask you about that I think that I one. probably watched that in the early 2000s when I went on my like nutso Netflix, like get every movie, watch as many as I could every day. All right. Well, what then what's another one? I don't know. Any that come to mind that you can think of of just other horrible people, <sighs> protagonists? that you do like um i mean a tv show mad men like don draper is he's just such a jerk but we get these little glimmers of why actually do do we get that in jack as well like his history we get these sort of we see a first instance of where he cuts the foot off of a duck which is like the first act of violence he committed okay do we get a sense of sort of like his, like, was he no, a it, victim himself as a kid? No, it's way? very much just like, I am a sociopath, psychopath, and here's yeah. my journey. Okay. Well, the thing with Don Draper, I think that helps. He he does terrible things, but he has, he carries this, he actually has empathy, I think. He carries around guilt. And what's tra that makes him tragic is that we watch him know that what he's doing is wrong come up against the moment of deciding whether or not he's going to go through with it have remorse because he's feeling that way and then go through with it anyway and that is so tragic because we're we're essentially constantly rooting for him to choose the right path and he can't do it so if we had coffin joe having just a little bit of a conscience throughout where he's like has that inner conflict. It, I think that's what we're missing in order for me to kind of get on board with him. But I don't think that that's necessarily appropriate for the intent of this movie. So it really is just kind of a taste issue. Yeah. Cause I agree. I wouldn't, I mean, I mean, it's like what you said earlier, where you got excited once I told you he has this backstory. Absolutely. But I'm like, no, I don't want, I, there, there's something just off-putting and creepy about just, he's just this horrible yeah. person and we don't get even that glimmer. Like, it's not that kind of movie for me and I don't right. want that. Well, and I always do. Like, I want to get inside the psychology and the, like, the, the why of characters just something to make it click as the horror movie it's trying to be it's just i don't know mm. like why <laughs> i don't know why would he want that because that's who i am deep down inside well i just want to know why <laughs> but that's a want to understand but that's the horror movie where you can't answer that well mm. 
I don't know. I think I think good the horror that I like the most poses the question and lets you have to make some decisions about what the possible answers are. And this one I don't think is really posing the question. They're telling you the answer. Like he's this guy. Yeah. And it's like straight line, straight path, boom. Very, very simple story, right? Just morality sort of tale and getting his comeuppance for it. See, I I would watch a whole movie of just like Texas Chainsaw from Leatherface's point of view, <laughs> you know, and it's just, but with no explanation, with backstory, no like, <laughs> sure, sure, no remorse, no anything. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what did you, were you annoyed by the Rob Zombie take on Halloween where we kind of got a little more into the, the why of Michael Myers? Um. Yes. Did that bother you, or were you okay with it? I think it was just his take on it. He has such a style to his yeah. films that it just sort of was like I didn't care one which way or the other. It wasn't mm-hmm. like canon Michael Myers for me <laughs> right. in a way. I was just on. I mean, I just fascinated with his uh, his <laughs> what makes him him in his filmmaking of just the extremity mm-hmm. in his characters, like. So I, yeah, I guess, sorry, I'm just kind of going on, but no, I didn't really care one way or the other. Okay, that's that's cool. I mean, I don't know, outside of that sort of undertone issue for me, um, everything else just sort of falls into like, it's forgivable because of the time and the, you know, it's an indie and and nothing I think was not working. It just is like, it's not like you're going to get mad about like, I don't know, the 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 edits or the like the film quality or something. Like, who cares? See, that stuff I wouldn't just it's not only that I wouldn't put it in what didn't work, but I'd almost want to go as far as putting it in what did work for me. Yeah. You yeah, know? I, I do I I know what you mean. I mean, I, I spoke with uh, our friends uh who watched Jaws essentially for the first time. Like, neither one of them had seen it. And they both were like, yeah, you know, it's got some problems. Like, there's some. And I was like, you guys are insane. You're insane. (laughs) I was like, what are the problems? They're like, well, I don't know. I mean, some of the acting's not so great. And, like, there's some really bad ADR. And I was like, that's your takeaway from watching Jaws? Jaws. (laughs) Jaws. The greatest film of all time for the first time. Like, that's your takeaway? You didn't like a couple of the edits? Like, what is happening? (laughs) I'm so confused by them. But they were like, don't, no, no, no. They were like, we like the movie. We just, you know, if we're going to criticize, it wasn't like, I don't, they're like, it's definitely not the greatest movie of all time. And I was like, (sighs) I never get that instinct. (sighs) I just don't, I, I, I should say, I don't relate to that instinct of like, almost of feeling like something when something is so revered that Mm -hmm. you like, that means, you have to like point out its flaws that much more right, so right. Or, or getting quote unquote flaws. Yeah, yeah. Like what? Like, okay. So Well, I asked I asked them too. I was like, are you is this a product of you guys living a, an entire life of not seeing a thing that people have you know, re, you know, that has such renown that you 
you almost automatically want to land on the side of criticism because it's been built up and it, and it could never meet that expectation. And they said they didn't think that that was the case. So, you know, so be it. They did say they thought it was Richard Dreyfuss's best performance that they had seen. I'm like, I, I might agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, sure. Yeah, it's just not... <laughs> Whenever I finish Jaws, I mean, yeah, he's great in it, but I don't go, wow, Richard Dreyfuss's performance is just what made that movie for me. Right. It's like, it's whole, the whole movie's great. That's, right. It's I one of those movies. I don't think of it being Richard Dreyfuss. I'm I, like, it's, it's Hooper. I guess it's, you know yeah. I mean? Like, that's how good that movie is to me. Right. It's just so, yeah, movie where everything's great about it to then just sit back and say, you know what was great? That editing was just so, it's just, I don't know. It's like... <laughs> No, the movie was great. I don't know. No, I know. It's an interesting... I love when you get that, like, out of... What what feels like an out-of-left-field take on something. Where you you hear the take and you just... Your brain scrambles because you're like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> but that's cool. People. It's all just subjective anyway. Who cares? Well, on that note, should we move on to things of note? <laughs> sure. All right, here we go. Things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. You already mentioned, which I, I, I had a suspicion when I finished the movie. I was like, I have a feeling that this lead character is also the director, even though I like... I should have known that by like looking at the um, the credits in the beginning, but I just it it I missed it somehow. Um, and we should mention his name because I forgot to say the credits oh, up front. Jose yeah. Mojica Marins. Yeah, it was written, starred, directed by him, and also written by Valdor- Valdomiro Francia and Magda May. I. Yeah, it's. It's always to me a really, uh, what's the right word for it? It's a challenge at the at the least when you are the writer, director, and lead. Like that is tricky, tricky territory. And there were definitely times in the movie where I was like, oh, it's right on the cusp of not working because it's just, it's almost just him uh i don't know how to describe it like how do i describe this it's not it's 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 uh what's the term for when you you're you're, you're kind of you're doing too much because nobody is there to like rein you in i don't know there's a word for this i feel like but it was right right on the border of that where i'm like if this was a different if Yeah, if this was a different director, you had somebody to kind of, you know, move that performance around a little bit, like just another eyeball on it. I think it may have felt better to me. But, but, you know... (laughs) No man, that's what's so untethered. That's that's what's makes it so that's what makes it so great is like you have that big long like one take man. where he's just screaming to the heavens monologue yeah. and you know he's giving it his all because they just shot it once. 
too. Yeah. Like, so here's some fun. I'm guessing you didn't watch the little, there's like a 12 minute interview with him on the DVD. (laughs) Okay. Well, the way they shot this film, Tim, there was, I think they only had like 15 rolls of film. Oh no. And then two of them were (laughs) stolen. So, so yeah, there's, there was that. Um, when on a typical film at the time that the crew would be used to for a feature film of that length, as he gave as an example, would be 80 rolls of film. Okay. Yeah. So that puts it in perspective. Um, and, and now just to kind of talk through, you know, how this film came to be and its journey that he described. First, what though he was stepping into was, it, it was, you know, as the first horror film in Brazil. But just because of that, it just meant the, crew people find anyone was like well you can't make a horror movie in brazil just this arbitrary like <laughs> attitude of okay well it's never been done so it can't be done you know is this kind of i that. mean jesus even more than like that even just that alone makes the movie make more sense <laughs> right <laughs> right like it's like commentary on that attitude so he was set to do something else uh like and make make another film when he had a nightmare that was where he was, uh, uh, he imagined getting dragged into his own grave. And he was in such like a, he was so distraught and screaming from it that his family thought he had been possessed. Like that's how severe his night terror or whatever you want to call it was. But that planted the seed of this film. And that also, you know, there was a, 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 a visage, a person in that nightmare of essentially the Coffin Joe character of just a hmm. character dressed in all black with a top hat like that. So all cool. the, this film came from basically channeling that, the image of the Undertaker and getting dragged into your own grave. So then he just from there, he like, like him and his secretary just wrote up this, this, this film, this Coffin Joe character and came up <laughs> with this story. And he had his 15 rolls of film, as I said, some of which were stolen. And then onto that, it was just a 12-day shoot inside Jesus. a 600-square-foot studio with only— I'm sorry, what? With only one day in a real cemetery of exteriors. So this whole film is a set on a 600-square-foot studio. So, like, Do you know how small 600 square feet is? Yeah, so like, think about your, it. Your apartment— is is probably about 600 square feet. No, no, it's actually this is like um 100 something like 150. No way, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um man. So think of it so like when <laughs> the procession is going by when he's eating his meat by the window, that was mm-hmm. just like they just built the window for that, you know, and just <laughs> so set amazing. it outside people walking by. Like when he's wandering through the forest and everything, they're all just fake trees and whatever. That's so crazy. Like anything in the frame is probably all that was there in the shot. I bet, yeah, I bet the the bar is the biggest set, so that's probably just the room like with as little as yeah like a little <laughs> set dressing as possible yeah exactly wow like that's it that's crazy and uh it was fun just because he said you know everyone like on the crew was like what you're crazy like this isn't gonna work like look how silly this is you just have these two branches sticking out you're walking through it doesn't look real and then they're so impressed in the end result it just totally works wow, wow. that is wild <laughs> yeah um decides to become blasphemous because he thinks it's all wrong. I don't know what I meant by that note. Um, (laughs) 
here's the here's what I thought of you. You would get a kick out of that ghost effect that you mentioned, loving. Oh um, yeah, with the, like the where it's like this border of however you described it. Sparkles. It is literal sparkles. He took glitter and glued it on the film reel. <laughs> That's about what it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. Amazing. Um, and yeah, as I kind of already said, the film was hugely popular, but you know, it had some people loved it, some hated it. People couldn't decide if it was great or it was awful. It was just all this mixed, mixed bag reaction stuff to it, but you just couldn't deny people as a lot of things that make their mark, you did have your opinion on it one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And it was mm -hmm. always a strong opinion. That's cool. Yeah. And then <laughs> my own little fun thing of note from this interview I was watching, I just had to mention. So, uh, you know, what's his name again? Jose Marins. He's, you know, Coffin Joe has his long fingernails. Jose does too. So he was like, well, it worked out when I cast myself da, 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 because I already had long fingernails. <laughs> and like 30 years later or wherever when this interview is, he still has them. And when he, there are these thick, long fingernails yeah. he has on all his fingers. So when he's talking and gesticulating, you're just hearing this like clicking like throughout oh, the whole interview. Oh, no. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, just had to mention that. What a character. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll say, yeah, Coffin Joe went on to appear in other things, became a famous character. Like I said, he's he's the a Freddy in Brazil. Joe returns in This Night, I'll Possess Your Corpse. Then again in Embodiment of Evil. He appears as a host in an anthology film, The Strange World of Coffin Joe. Appeared in uh, another film called Awakening of the Beast. Goes, goes kind of on and on here. Um, wow. Including being portrayed by another actor or actors. So, yeah, he's... Uh, Oh, here's a picture. It's great. Coffin Joe's float in the 2018 Carnival <laughs> uh, of Sao Paulo uh, parade. So wow, cool. Yeah, there you go. He's a he's a icon, a Brazilian horror icon. <laughs> and I'm totally gonna put the sequel in our future hat, Tim. Well, so you have every right to do that. We'll see you again for this night. I'll possess your corpse. <laughs> Cough and Joe, looking forward <laughs> to it. Cool, dude. Great. All right. Well, if that's it for our bud Joe, do you have any recommendations for this week? Sure. Um, I've really only been watching one thing, uh, which comes out every Friday. Uh, it's um the the it's the only Marvel thing that's happening right now. It's called the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and it's fun you know getting just enough of the like marvel uh uh treat that that has been so sorely lacking over the last year so it's fun it's good it's not mind-blowing but uh, it's it's a good ride <laughs> great the acting is great Woo. i still want to i still surprisingly good scenes i i do want to watch uh wandavision i haven't seen any of that oh yeah well, I will recommend Dead what I already recommended to you, Tim, <laughs> which was Game of Death available on Shudder. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. maybe I'll watch that tonight. 
It's so much fun. It's just like one of those Shutter watches. It's a new movie. It's like seventy something minutes. Were so hit or miss. It feels like when you when you kind of poke through there. But this was certainly a hit in my book. It's just a simple premise, well done. I think uh, I liked a letterbox review for it that says uh, Harmony Corinne's Jumanji. I think that's a great way to, to explain wow. it. Just some cool. really fun stylistic stuff on a budget. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to say what it is because it's just a fun okay. watch. Yeah, don't, don't check it out. I'll just watch it. Great game of death. And Tim, I believe it's my turn to pull I think from the you're hat. Correct. So let me just shuffle around here. I'll tell you when to stop and. Stop. We got. Oh, interesting. Can you see that? Tenebre, 1982 from our old bud, Dario. (laughs) (laughs) Signore Argento is back in the dismembering horror house. It's like number four for us, maybe three or four. Great. I mean, I'll never know which ones are his films and which ones are Fulci's. So it's, it's <laughs> that we've watched. It's fine. I Giallo. Return to. We looked up the proper pronunciation. Giallo. That's right. Giallo. Great. Giallo. Well, I'll be. It's always fun to to dip our feet in that pond. The yellow Giallo pond. Agreed. Great. All right. Well, I think that's it then. You can find us wherever you found us. Our mixer, our master, we want to shout out and say thanks to is Brendan Welch. Thanks, Brendan. (laughs) I'm Ryan McDuffie. Oh, yeah. I'm Tim Aslan, if you had forgotten. Great. And so in closing, whether at midnight will take your soul or not, thank you so much for being here and for listening. Yes, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>